Over 2,000 years ago, the first makings of what we would later call the compass came into being. Throughout the ages, it appeared in various forms of stone, iron, metal, even liquid. And before its modernized use of pointing north, it was often used in fortune-telling, divination, and to bring harmony to our man-made structures. I've always liked this idea that some unseen force was always pointing the way for us, no matter where we were in the world. Whether we might be hiking in a remote trail, on a ship way out to sea, or maybe even just when we feel lost in the world, there's a compass to guide us along. Sometimes I find it helpful to remember that our existence is a continuation of all those that have gone before. We're carrying the torch onward from the stories, ideas, and movements sparked from lives long ago. This curiosity to explore the spaces and places just out of reach is what led me to meeting a new friend, Pete Dring. Pete lives in New York, a historic city on the northeast part of England, and where, as a surprise to him many years ago, I began a friendship on a chance meeting in the streets of York one evening. My forward American demeanor seemed okay, though, with his kind and welcoming spirit that would eventually have me returning again a few years later, making that trip across the pond to meet a new friend. My adventures with Pete were memorable. A road trip to Scotland, a day on the York University campus, a walk in the city, and even just nights at home with the mates, trying some homegrown beer over a simple meal with laughs and fun conversation. These were also glimpses into the simple life that Pete enjoys, and as you'll hear, he found his way into creating new adventures with his family, his wife Jen, and his two boys. The compass, it shows us where to go and where we're going, all due to these magnetic forces in the earth that are ever-present guiding us along. I can't help but wonder if these invisible forces were the same that guided me to meet a new friend that night, across oceans, across bridges, across aisles, to making new connections, unlocking new adventures to come, and memories that will last a lifetime. So, get your backpack, grab your compass, and if you're like my friend Pete, you'll also need a snack for the road. <laughs> Just in conversation with my friend Pete Drink. Hey, Justin. Oh, it's so good to see you. I was just looking at pictures of you just to catch up on visually stuff, and now I'm seeing you in person, sort of. <laughs> Yeah, I can't work out how long it's been. Um, a long yeah. time. It's really nice to see you again. You too, you too. Gosh, it's been, oh my gosh, 20 years, maybe more than that? I don't think it's been 20, maybe maybe 15. Okay. It, maybe I'm just older than I think I am. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> In my head, it's like five years ago, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure it's... <laughs> maybe not quite 20. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just jotting down some stuff to talk about and... Um, well, first of all, I guess let's catch up a bit. Like what's, what have you been up to? How was, I guess this past year was weird for everybody. Yeah. Um, but 
I think I've really enjoyed this last year. Um, I think last time I saw you, um, I was still living in the same city. So I still live in York. Okay. Um, and I've just hung around like a bad smell. I love York. I think it's a great <laughs> place to live. Um, I don't think you ever met Jen. No. Um, but we um, we started going out soon after you were in York, I think. Well, no, um, we were friends for a long time. Okay. Um, it was quite a, a slow process of mm-hmm. becoming friends to best friends to, to dating to, um, I think she thinks it was far too slow. Me <laughs> <laughs> um, just being cautious. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we've been married now for over 10 years. We've got two kids, um, Daniel and Joel. It's going to be Daniel's sixth birthday um, in a couple of weeks. Um, so, sorry, four and six. He's going to be seven. My goodness, where's that gone? Mm, what's that like? Uh, well, being a dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, really fun. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't know where to start with girls. So I'm very, very glad to have two boys. <laughs> I think um, yeah. just they love playing with all the stuff that I like playing with. So right. we build stuff, we make. Uh, they love Lego, Duplo at the minute. Um, they what love was, anything to do with robotics. What and, was the second one? Uh, Duplo. I don't do know. you have that? That doesn't. I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Um, it's designed for smaller kids than Lego. Uh, it's just double the size, so you mm. need far fewer bricks to make fun stuff okay uh, it's designed for toddlers because they can't choke on the, the tiny um yeah. bricks yeah um so our boys are old enough to play with lego but they, they still really like the duplo for toddlers because yeah they've just not? got loads of it um, lego is huge right now yeah even over here it's like kind of like got a resurgence yeah um, for adults too as well yeah it's it's expensive isn't it some mm-hmm. of the, the lego yeah, some of the, I mean, some people get really serious about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what have you been doing? Where uh, are you up to now? Where are you living? Yeah, what, well, first um, of all, I have to say, you look exactly the same. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I you're lying. And I've, I've gotten older, it looks like. Um, and I've grown a beard now, as you can see. I just, yeah. I trimmed it just for you. It was kind of crazy. Caveman. Uh, Do you remember my phobia of beards? No. Did I, did I tell you about that before? No, tell me. Um, I think I've grown out of it now. I think the beard suits you. But certainly I went through a phase of just not being able to cope with facial hair. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't think I could trust somebody with a beard. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you might be but right. Good. I've, uh, I've grown out of that. Um, really? What, what's that about? You've always had that? I don't know where it came from. I've no deep trauma or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe because you've I've just, just never grown one. Yeah, I don't think I could if I tried. Yeah, you're one of those. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll well, have a Apache tuft or something like that. Okay. Um, so you said you've really enjoyed this year. What's it been like for you? Um, probably better than for most um, because I'm a, I'm a natural introvert. So mm. socially, um, it's quite nice to have an excuse not to see that many people. Um, I get to see my favorite people, um, Daniel and Joel and Jen. Um, and I can see other people on demand, so I can set aside some slots to to catch up with people. Um, I think I'm probably seeing my parents a lot more than I normally do. Um, we Zoom every night um, when we put mm. the, the boys to bed, just read the Bible together, have a chat, have a catch up, have a pray. Um, and I'm you well, you'll know I'm not very good at keeping in touch with people. <laughs> um, but when you've got to be much more deliberate, mm. um, I think I've really enjoyed. 
uh, yeah, I guess that's probably the word, being deliberate in mm. making time to see certain people. Uh, professionally, found it really tough, actually. I think um, in the build-up just before the lockdown, I think I've been teaching for over 10 years. Um, love it, still really enjoy the interaction with students, but was just ready for a change, I think. The, the politics of it was getting me down. Mm. Um, so I thought, you know, I'd, I'd look at other careers. Um, I want to spend more time with family. I'd like a new challenge. Um, and then lockdown came along and I got to spend a lot more time with family um, and definitely a new challenge of teaching with, with technology. Um, so I, I really enjoyed a lot of that. Mm. But then it went to just being stuck in a room looking at, um, you know, trying to gauge how much students are understanding just from looking at their profile dots on Microsoft Teams. Mm. You just can't read the room yeah. um, at all. Um, sure. So it's it's a lot harder. So. In the last two weeks, um, all teachers in the UK have gone back to school. Um, so that's it's just been lovely to see students again, to mm. see other teachers. Um, I've missed that mm -hmm. dynamic of bouncing ideas off people. So yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed lockdown. It's been quite a formative moment for Daniel and for Joel. Um, I don't really think Joel understands how much of a big deal it is, mm -hmm. but uh, we've had to do home learning. We've had to do everything together. And it's just been a real privilege to have that shared family time together. I think we've all got sick of each other at times, obviously, <laughs> but yeah. there's also been some really fun, memorable adventures that we've had. So I feel like we've been lucky to go through it as a family. Yeah, that um, it reminds me of, you know, I think we've all done maybe different things that we hadn't done before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I've I've been doing a lot of reading and watching and movies and things and right now i'm watching a series that is kind of early 1900s in canada okay. and you know so the technology is different so you know not every house has hot water or running water or a toilet or and they just kind of adjust and the fashion's different and how they do family things or it's a horse and buggy or you know how they get around. And it's just interesting watching how they cope with everyday life differently than we would have. And yeah. that makes me think of, I wonder, cause you know, kids that maybe live on a farm or something in this remote yeah. land, they're, they're together all their, all the time. And they're in this house yeah. in this enclosed space for much of the day with like strict guidelines and, and times. And so I, I, yeah, the reason I bring that up is uh, I, I do wonder what it's like for, uh, kids going through this, but maybe this is just, you know, it's part of their reality of what's happening in their life at this moment. Yeah, there's a big debate and discussion and disagreement. And I think everyone's experience is different, mm. certainly from the boys' friends. Um, if there's just a single child in a family, I think they have found it really tough mm, because sure. it's just a child surrounded by adults' company. And I think the adults find it really tough as well. Um, Daniel and Joel are quite close to each other in age, um, and yeah. Joel really looks up to Daniel. Daniel's very tolerant of playing with his, uh, his younger brother, so mostly they've had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but there's loads of talk in the press about um, students falling behind academically, yeah. um, this lost generation of learning. And then there's a kind of kickback to that as well about, you know, these students have spent some time with their family. They've learned skills that they'd never have learned before. They've learned to appreciate the sound of birdsong or to go for walks with a family or learn how to eat together again. Mm -hmm. All of these things that just don't happen in the noise of busy life. Um, it's a real privilege to, to have done that. 
But yeah, I think I've seen polar opposites of, of both. Some students who've absolutely hated it and some students who've loved it and really don't want, want to go back to the old normal. Yeah, it's really, for me, it's it's caused me to, sl- to for me to slow down everything to kind yeah. of just slow down and take a second. And uh, we've, at some point, we've all been forced to do that. So it's it kind of makes, I mean, we're all doing these inward, at least I'm doing this inward work now. Um, that I didn't really have a chance to do before because I was so distracted. I would I would place mm. distractions in front of me just to keep busy. What does that look like when you make the space for that inward reflection? I think you called it. Oh yeah, it's well, it's a lot of things. It's um, because now I'm I'm approaching my forties too. So built on top of that, it's like okay, well, what does this mean going into this next decade of my yeah. life? Uh, it was an opportunity for to to kind of re-examine what's going on in my life and what do I want out of it. Uh, I didn't do too well in the beginning. I struggle with depression anyway to c- compound that with isolation and thought mm-hmm. processes and things. Uh, that's how this podcast was born is uh, I just, because of all the loss of things, uh, everybody's yeah. grieved something, I think, with actual death or maybe death of things or friendships or um, yeah. I've lost a lot of community stuff that's shut down. So I was kind of just lying here one day and I said, I wonder what, like, you know, what friends do I still have in my realm of access? So yeah. I said, you know what? What if I just contacted some old friends I used to have and invited them on a podcast and had some conversation and reconnection? I bet it's co- such a good idea. Yeah. I, I feel like. If there was a phone, if I called you and said, hey, let's have a phone conversation, that would be cool. It might be kind of weird. So, <laughs> but if it's in a formal, like with a purpose and meaning behind it, I bet people yeah. would be into that. Well, one of your gifts was always to make connections and to find things in common. And uh, it's an inspired idea to resurrect old relationships. And um, yeah, I, I, I think, was it Kyle, your friend from high school? Was that? Yeah, um, that's it. That right? yeah, yeah, I listened to a little bit of that one, really enjoyed it. Oh, good, good research on you. <laughs> Well, it just always hit me how you could go to a foreign country, um, meet a random person um, literally on the street <laughs> and um, sustain a, a fun relationship, a friendship. Um, and then from that, you'd bridge out. You uh, got to know um, you got to know things about my housemates that I didn't really know. You just got a great way of asking questions and discovering what makes people tick. I think you're fascinated by people. You've always been really good at um, finding out what motivates people. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Okay. Well, save that one for uh, the when we celebrate the my life or something. Uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, <laughs> Well, you mentioned like moving into a different period of, of life. I think we're both approaching our 40s. But I think the last year that we've lived through has been almost like a whole generation of change. You mentioned friendships ending, um, friendships changing, things shifting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. I think it's completely been exaggerated and exacerbated by uh, the pace of life slowing down but the pace of friendship change relationship change almost speeding up um oh yeah i don't know if you i don't know if you agree with that yeah i was for sure i think if anything we value our our connections and and relationships a little bit more now so and uh, even if we get them we kind of celebrate that a little bit more like intently 
It's um and change in our interests and our, our dress senses. I I really like people watching. So we went for a cycle ride um the other the other weekend. We have these tag along bike things. So Jen and I will cycle in our bikes, and then we have a, a bar that hooks onto the boys' bikes. So we can cycle a little bit further. And I don't know if you remember Millennium Bridge around York. It's this really nice bridge that goes over the um the river. Um, so we stopped there and just watched people walk past. And I've always thought um. Uh, mm. before lockdown if you see a family or a group of friends those those people tend to look like each other i don't know they'll have the same style of glasses or they'll wear the same style of clothing yeah but i think now um in lockdown post lockdown those changes are even more exaggerated so we watched um, a group of girls walk by all with the same style leggings or we um, watch a, a group of lads walk by all wearing the same type of jeans and it's like little pockets of completely different aspects of society but they've all converged together because in lockdown they've only seen a few friends they've mm. um, picked up each other's mannerisms they walk in the same way they talk in the same way they dress in the same way yeah, um, and yeah. i think Maybe in disagreements as well. People seem to fall out a lot more now because we've just converged on these extremes of what we agree with and disagree with. And made things simpler, maybe. Maybe. I hope that we can bridge people back together again. Um, I think there's a lot of division in society at the moment. Mm -hmm. I hope that when we get people back into the workplace and just a bit of normality back, that we can build bridges back to, um, to community. Maybe that'll come naturally when the choirs and the um, the churches and the the football groups and all of those types of communities come back. But at the moment, I think yeah we're all all very fragmented. Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. I don't know. I um, in my conversations I've had, I think that's. I mean, especially in in my country, I mean, there's so such a rift, and yeah. you know, um, the craziness that's happened over here in the last several months. However, I have to keep reminding myself that we're a very young country compared to yours. I mean, you, you guys have had your share of craziness over the years, uh, too. Um, and, you know, now we have that the humongous Harry scandal going on, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wondered if that would come up, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not as um, tabloidish about it as most people, but, uh, it, yeah, it's interesting. So... You told me that I'm good at connections. Well, I have to say, you're you're uh, from what you just told me. You've always been very curious. I think because you like you said you like to people watch, and that's very true. When uh, I'd like to maybe go back when we first met each other, which I think I got this right. Um, I think it was 2003. I was there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right to me. Um, and I was there for a a, a choir tour, my college choir tour. And yeah. we went, we were, we were a choir in residence at the York Minster for the week doing even song services. And then we had this like event we went to where there was some chapel service or something. And there was, all of us were kind of on one side of the pews. And then there was a bunch of, of you Brits on the other side. Yeah. And I guess afterwards, or maybe it was during the peace exchange or something. There was like this, and nobody would cross the aisle. Yeah. And everybody kind of stayed, in, speaking of fragmenting, everybody kind of stayed in their comfortable zone. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm going <laughs> to go to the other side. And I remember I remember kind of looking out for who would like be open to me just saying hi. 
<laughs> and most of uh, most of the people's eyes I met kind of looked away and looked down like, oh, don't pick yeah. me, don't pick me. Yeah. Um, and you looked, uh, you looked like maybe you'd be a good convert. So I, <laughs> so I, I picked you out and and met you and shook your hand and then uh, you introduced me to the rest of your friends and um, then I said, hey, we should hang out. We should get to know each other. Is that right? Yeah, that's how I remember it. I I don't remember hearing you sing. So either um I don't think we did. No, okay. Not, not at that that's particular good. instance, but we were just, you know, we had like professional literature like programmed at the York Minster. So unless you went to that, you wouldn't have heard us. Okay. Yeah. No, I I remember thinking back and thinking Justin came all the way over here to to sing and I can't remember hearing him sing at all. That's terrible. Yeah, you didn't even go once, in... Pete. You didn't even go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> what kind of friend am I? I know. And but yeah, I remember introducing you to my housemates and then did did we invite you around for a meal or did we go for a meal in York? Yeah. I think what happened was is I had some free time and you invited me on to the York campus. Yeah, and we had a little picnic out on the lawn. I think. Then I came back another year yeah. to stay with yeah. you for a week or two, which was like maybe two years later. And the reason yeah, I know see, that, I remember that trip much more. Yes, um, than the first meeting. Right. Because um, that's um, we still sometimes cycle past that house because um, mm. I, I I live on still the same kind of side of the city, but we often cycle past it and it always brings back memories of yeah. the same housemates and when you yep. came to stay. Yep. And that little flat that you hated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I was trying to just rack my brain about stuff. I remember something you something you said stood out in my memories. Like right before I was about to leave, you were probably going a little bit crazy, but you always go out to be really kind but you, I think internally, maybe you hide some of your true feelings. <laughs> but um, pent up frustration. Yeah, but I had to have been looking back on that. It had to be so off putting for you because you had a house full of flatmates anyway. We were just a really close knit of of yeah. people, so um, it was quite a regular occurrence for uh, one of Kate and Claire's friends to come and stay, or for okay. um, for one of Chris's. So um, yeah, it was it was an honour to just crash on the couch. It meant that I could uh, take control of the the games console. Or, um, <laughs> yeah, right. it was fine. Right. I do remember you said because uh, you didn't have proper laundry there or something. And you, I remember yeah. you saying one time, I just want one time, once, to have a house with, with nothing's damp all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was the big thing about that house. Yeah. Um, What's the, uh, you, sp- you spoke about adventure, but you said you're kind of an introvert, so you're kind of happy being kind of cooped up in your, in your safe spot. But yeah. y- you are still an adventurer because I remember, um, besides the fact that you always seem to have some sort of food around you. <laughs> <laughs> that's not changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i was looking through these photos and i said yeah there's pretty much a f- some sort of um spread of food in front of pete and all these uh photos. i remember that about yeah. you there was o- there's always had to be food involved but we took a, a road trip up to edinburgh yeah do you remember that um, i do yeah and we saw the the castle and we were with a, a group of people some of them i knew and some of them i didn't um, yeah. and I think there was a, a, like a festival there that we went to, but there was a, uh, kind of like a, a really, we were in a really small car, yeah. a, a red car. I don't remember whose that was. And we were kind of cramped in the back seat for maybe an hour or two. Yeah. 
And then we ended up at a hostel. We got a, shared a hostel room. Yeah. And those are my memories at the moment. And the, I guess we were only there for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we stayed there for very long, but just a little road trip to escape from the city. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. To get to the festival. Yeah. And then we'd make stops along the way, I think. And we just, you know, we would just say, oh, let's stop here at these ruins or let's stop here at uh, this park and have a little bite. It's kind of yeah. like you're, you're kind of like the uh, the little hobbits in Lord of the Rings. We have to have third and fourth. Yeah, breakfast. when you said I should <laughs> ruminate and uh, reminisce and prepare, um, I was thinking, well, what do I remember from growing up? And I grew up in Lincolnshire, which is not particularly memorable. It's just flat, mm. um, apart from a few little undulations and hills. But it's we just call it the Shire because it's just like oh. the Shire in Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, life is slow. It's all very agricultural, very picturesque, and um, yeah, there's no complications of the world. Do you um, do you enjoy that, or did you are you happy to escape it? Uh, a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents have moved out of the Shire now. They've <laughs> moved up to a little seaside town to retire um, because it was so isolated and rural. Mm-hmm. Our closest neighbors would be well over half a mile away. Our closest shop would be um, maybe about three or four miles away. And the, the closest place where you could buy more than just, I don't know, a, a jug of milk or something would be maybe 10, 12 miles away. Wow. So it was really isolated. It was beautiful for watching the stars. Sure. Very, very peaceful. Sure. But um, there wasn't a lot going on as, as a teenager. So excited mm-hmm. to leave it behind. Yeah. Um, but there's bits of it I miss too. Yeah, I'm sure like most things, looking back on it now, there are some things you probably would want to experience again. But as a as you said, as a kid, you kind of want to get get out of all that and see other things um but you tend to um have make some sort of adventure out of something even though you you tend to be introverted so what is something you remember uh like recently that's an adventure you've been on i know you've you've done a lot of stuff i mean obviously as a dad you're trying to give adventure to your two boys um but what's something that you can remember that's kind of uh an adventure you've had recently um yeah good question um i remember uh, we were staying in a holiday apartment the uh, lockdown number one had finished Lock num- lockdown number two was just about to start but we didn't really know that was going to happen um so we took a gamble and booked a couple of um well a, a week or so away uh, it was in the winter um and snow was forecast so we cycled down a big hill to get to the coast um uh, bought a a sledge because lots of snow was forecast for the next day and then cycled back up the hill with the, the sledge in a pannier bag mounted on the side of the bike wow. um waited for the snow to arrive and then in the morning just um sledged all over the place and that was the first the first day of the next lockdown as well. So we had to, to travel back home and we stopped at um, Brimham Rocks, which is just this bizarre place at the top of some, some hills and mountains where there's these massive rocks uh, and lugged the, the sledge to the top of the hill. And there was nobody around because the lockdown had kicked in. Um, Mm. all of the paths had iced over and snowed over. So we just steered the sledge all down the paths, around the corners, through the... It was just so much fun. Oh, yeah. You have, like, your own little mountain. Yeah. Where was this again? 
This was um, North Yorkshire, North Yorkshire Moors. Okay. A place okay. called Brimham Rocks. Yeah, I don't think I really traveled. I don't think I know much about Yorkshire other than the, the main city, city center. Yeah, I think York itself feels like a um, a southern enclave. Are you familiar with the north-south divide in the UK? A bit. Not enough to know anything of consequence. Okay. Yeah. So the north um, is generally looked down on by the south. So London's in the south. That's kind of the, okay. um, the center of everything. Politically, everything happens there. Sure. Economically, everything happens there. Yeah. Um, the north, we're kind of seen as these country bumpkins who are a bit backwards and behind. Um and then you have these certain cities like Edinburgh and York who are a little bit posh and affluent. Mm. Um, but as soon as you get outside of that, it goes back to being rural and agricultural. And coming from a rural and agricultural place, I, I really like that. Um, yeah. I'm perhaps a little bit anti-Southern. Well, there's always um, a little bit of rivalry in England anyway, right? Um, yeah. Or in the UK. I mean, I remember yeah. we had this, I think it was Dave who was having this declarational argument about you know they cannot refuse your your money in in scotland it's legal tender (laughs) you know he likes to find outrage in everything (laughs) (laughs) i noticed that about him but he's he he loves he'd be a good politician actually making some arguments about stuff um but yeah just uh i think when i was there visiting you i think the world cup was going on oh yeah that's right yeah, because yeah. I remember there was just different flags everywhere and just craziness and just, just the yeah. which team are you on kind of Gryffindor or Hufflepuff or whatever it is, and yeah. you know, um, going on. So I I remember that for sure. Just the the uh, the divide of the World Cup, but also there is definitely these little pockets of English culture yeah. that are yeah. Wh- where are you from? That happens everywhere there. I mean, in Australia, there's. Uh, you're looked down upon if oh, you're a Victorian or whatever it is. And so yeah. um, certainly we have our issues here too. Um, even in parts of the city, like in Los Angeles, are you uh, on the west side or east side? Or, mm-hmm. you know, there's always this idea about where you're coming from. One thing I found during lockdown that a lot of people also mm-hmm. have found is the uh, British Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> How familiar are yeah. you with that since you're a foodie? Oh, we love it. Every yeah. year yeah. Um, we watch it religiously and I can't watch anything unless I've got a snack in front of me. Yeah. And if it's a, a food oh, program, sure. then it just makes me so hungry. Jen is an amazing baker. Um, and oh, in fact, really? she auditioned for season two of the Great British Bake Off. Oh, wow. So she's, um, uh, do you have it over there? Do you watch it? Do you have the same people, Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry? Oh, yeah. It's um, it's kind of a recent thing, I think, because they kind of just dumped it all in, on Netflix here. Yeah. So I okay. I just binge watched it. So I I started from the first season and went all the way through the eight. But yeah, same but stuff. If you've, if you've seen the first season, then that's what what we saw, and we thought, well, well, Jen's better than these bakers. She okay. could do it. Yeah. So everybody encouraged her to um to audition, and she did. She baked some really tasty things, um, and she met Paul Hollywood, and she met uh, Mary Berry. No way. She got some feedback. Um, I still really remember we we travelled down on a train to London carrying this um, this pot with delicious uh, baking goods inside. It was quite an early train, and we weren't allowed to eat any of it. It was torture. It's delicious aromas uh. wafting up <laughs> in the train. Wow! Um, and then Jen auditioned. It's quite a big day, uh, and she made a salted caramel tarts, um, delicious. Mm. 
but sadly did have a soggy bottom, which oh, was very no, that's the it been um uh it been just I think it's because it was in the tin on the train yeah. the whole way. Right. And then she made some delicious muffins, some pear and Stilton muffins. And Ooh. Paul Hollywood said that he really loved the idea, really loved the taste, but they were far too big. He thought nobody would be able to eat one as a snack. Mm-hmm. And I ate four on the way home. <laughs> you proved him wrong, huh? Yeah, quite. Well, that's that's quite a story. I mean, there's certainly several rounds of auditions, I assume. So yeah. once you get past a certain, because I've, I've done some research too. Mm. And I guess once you get past a certain thing, you have to bake something in front of them as well. Yeah. Right. So she yeah. didn't get to that far, right? Or she did? Well, she, I don't know what stage she got to. I think the first stage is you put an application in yeah. and then you have a phone interview and then you have a, um, like a video interview. And at that stage, they're just trying to work out, um, how weird you are. I don't know if you spotted a pattern, if you've watched enough, yeah. but they, they typecast everybody. You know, right. There's, um, right. There's the eccentric one, the classic one. Yeah. The, yeah right. Right. Um, so they're looking for somebody who's just a little bit odd, but not too weird, not too offensive. Yeah. Um, and then if you tick all the boxes, they'll invite you down with some baking. And then if you get past that, you, you get to the live baking stage. So she didn't get to the live baking stage, but she got past everything else. Wow, that's still pretty cool, though. But you're right. I, well, I think I gained 10 pounds just watching it uh, yeah. because I had to have something scrummy as I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd we'd often invite some friends around and bake the things either from last week or search online and find out what was coming up this week. So if it's pastry week, we'll we'll make I say we Jen <laughs> would make some pastries or yeah. make some bread and some cookies. Or when you were, I always like to ask this to people: when you were like a little boy, like what's the very first thing that you wanted to be when you grew up? Like I want to be even if it was outlandish. Like what what do you remember being? I want to be this. I remember really wanting to be a Roman soldier um, and then being a bit disappointed when that's not a career option anymore <laughs> and finding a little bit about how brutal it was. I don't think I'd be a very good soldier. Right. Um, then I wanted to be a dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> then uh, on a similar theme, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I think I was wow. growing up realizing I couldn't be these things. So an archaeologist could, you know, find out about Romans and dinosaurs. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, that was one of mine, too. I wanted to be an archaeologist. Nice. Yeah, first it was an astronaut. Then it was archaeologist. Nice. Yeah. And How far did you pursue that dream? Um, well, pretty much zero. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I would say some might argue, and so there's, a, there's a kind of a little funny term used right now that a digital anthropologist... Okay, nice. And so I would think, some, I think my curiosity, as you've said, to, to get to know mm. people and to investigate people, more, more like anthropology, just to kind of know about the history of people and kind of dig a little bit further, like digging, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I mean, even when I was at the York Minster doing those things, we had a rehearsal one night late at night. And which is kind of cool to be in the York Minster when you're not supposed to be, right? It's like everything, yeah, all the lights are off. Amazing place. Yeah, and I went. I remember going into the crypt. Yeah, and we weren't really supposed to go in there uh, <laughs> at night during, but there was like they were rehearsing some other group or something. And I remember going down in there with a flashlight, and you know, there's the Roman road is still there. Speaking of the Roman yeah. soldier, and then there's like these these places where they would just throw bones or, or bodies 
And so you can mm. see like the bones petrified of people that have been, you know, I remember putting my hand out and, and touching these things and just completely feeling connected to the historical moment of that place, you know? And so yeah. history's always fascinated me with just how people are now and how they've been. And so that's kind of my thing, I think in some way. I think I, I hated history at school. Um, yeah. I don't know what it was about it, um, but I lost my archaeology dream pretty early on. Um, <laughs> and I've rediscovered a love of history uh, mm. as an adult. I love reading um, yeah. about different people, different cultures. Um, a kindred spirit of mine, a friend who I don't think you met, um, was an archaeologist. Mm. And he did a big project about Neolithic men um, in Wales and their roots um, that they had to take. I can't even remember the, the background and the history to it, but uh, after his dissertation, um, he needed some help with uh, some of the technical aspects of it. So using GIS software or something to plot the roots of migration. And I helped him out a little bit. And we decided that rather than just write a paper that says where these men and women and um, cattle walked 3000 years ago, Let's walk it. Let's go and camp. Um, take a load of food. Cook some um, yeah. sausages. Um, take some beer. Of course, need uh, some food. Just relive the the journey, and I loved that. That was so yeah. much fun to just slow down and um, turn that all of that research into uh, reliving the memories. That's yeah. I love that so much. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, the whole idea of how you and I became friends was this idea of welcoming the other. Yeah, you know, welcoming an outsider to a different culture, yeah. and although although our two cultures are pretty similar and we use the same language per se, although we've just demonstrated how we have different <laughs> sayings and words, but even even a culture that uses the same written language even has its own subtext language that's different for sure. I mean, yeah. there's so many phrases. I mean, my best friend is Australian. Uh, and so, I mean, they have their own thing. I mean, it seems like they, they have a shortened name for everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And there's, so I had to get, when I was in his friendship, I had to kind of learn all his little sayings of what he would say for things. And admittedly, I think they make fun of their own language, uh, yeah. sometimes, but I just was curious cause you seem to be really open to that idea of being the, being the guy to welcome the, the other and you had a, I mean, part of what wanted to make me be friends with you was that you had such this kind demeanor about you and you kind of made it a priority to make sure that people were welcomed. Where do you think that came from? Uh, that's a good question. Um, and I don't think it's always true. Um, sure. I think right. there are times when I just want to curl into a ball and not be nice to anybody. <laughs> um, okay. So you are human. That's good. Yes, yeah, but yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, well, same here. I don't know where I, I got it from. Um, I think my parents are both very, um, but very focused on other people to the point that they'd uh, um, not really know how to relax all that much. They'd always try and put someone else at ease. Mm. I remember um, getting into trouble on a date once. Um, we'd um, the two of us had arranged to to meet up. Um, and we met this random um, elderly lady who just needed some some help. I can't remember what was going on. Maybe her car had broken down or something. 
um, and the girl I was going out with at the time um, really told me off afterwards. Like you've set some time aside for me and then you just go and include mm. this random stranger in yeah. our date. Yeah. And that's when I realized that this relationship isn't going to work at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So is so, that, okay. So that's, that's a priority for you to make sure that everyone around you is in some um, form of stable happiness of some sort i guess i just um really don't like conflict um mm. i don't like challenging people um but if i can see attention I, i'd just rather try and bridge the gap uh, okay. i think i was really lucky to grow up with all sorts of different type of people uh, i mean in some ways it was all very um very culturally not diverse. I mean, most of the people I grew up with are all, were all um, white and mm. fairly affluent. But in terms of um, perspectives, um, to a certain extent, income brackets, uh, the jobs that people had, opinions, uh, you know, the typical high school thing, everyone just f um, slots into cliques um, and you know pretty soon who you are in high school. Um, I didn't really fit a clique um, so I just enjoyed being in lots of friendship groups, um, which is bizarre because I, I definitely class myself as an introvert. I, I much prefer investing in one or two people quite mm -hmm. deeply and getting to know a few people. Um, but equally, I like to know a lot of people. I, I, I'm just fascinated by people. I think it's uh, it's fab to learn from people who are different, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I'm very good at starting a new friendship. I'm terrible mm. at sustaining a friendship. Interesting. Um, my wife's so good at that. She's really good at writing letters. She's yeah. got pen pals who she was in touch with from, you know, 20 years ago. Um, if I haven't seen someone for a week, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I just get self-absorbed. That's interesting, Pete. Um, I've learned uh, actually in this podcast I learned, um, and from friendships that as you get older, kind of change how you, um, live through your friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think when you and I met at that age, priorities were just different and it was all about just the moment, you know? Yeah. And now I've kind of learned, um, any sort of relationship, including friendships that actually takes effort and work. And uh, those things kind of do matter. You have to actually put forth some, you have to work on it. It's yeah. not just something that happens. But that's something that you yeah. learn, right, I think? Yeah. I, th I mean, I think it's unhelpful to focus on gender differences, but I think guys tend to have it easier. Um, looking at my wife's circle of friends, they have to really work on um, supporting each other, listening to each other, finding common ground. Whereas my circle of friends, we don't really have to bother doing that as much. We just have to do the same thing. It's, it's just mm. shared experience and that's instantly a shared memory. And that's something we've got in common. We don't have to really listen to what each other are saying, although that, that happens quite naturally. Sure. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if we're completely different. If we're doing the same activity, playing the same game, listening to the same music, it's the, it's the experience that's shared that bridges the gap. Um, which I think is a real tonic. It, it just means that anybody can have some common ground just by doing the same thing. Well, the consistency of doing an activity is a form of um, affection too. I mean, it's it's the showing up, literally showing up for something and doing it again and again. Yeah. Um, 
that, I mean, you're right though. I mean, my male friends that I have, if we have the times that I've been, had my hurt, my feelings hurt were when we agreed to do something yeah. and then it fell through, or if yeah. we always do this some certain thing and then it doesn't happen. Um, I mean, even you and I meeting up for this podcast, I kept asking you if we were going to still do it. I was expecting you to like, ah, oh, let's, <laughs> let's not do it today. Let's do it a different, which, uh, which would have been fine. But that's an example of, I'm kind of, I kind of expect that. You know, yeah. I kind of expect, oh, let's let's do something else. I don't really have, uh, you know, priority for you. And that's I'm putting words in people's mouth, but that's kind of what it is. And it's it, I've learned that it really takes the older we get, especially there's so many other things in our life that were so full. You have to really carve out time for yeah. for people because uh, you can get caught up in that. Um in the same kind of thought process and the same theme of family units, um, the time that I spent with you when I was at your little flat with your flatmates there, that was kind of like a little family unit too. Yeah. Yeah. We went through a lot together. Um, we met, um, on the first night of university and then stayed together for, for four years, three or four years. Um, and it was quite hard to change a routine once, I mean, we did everything that a family did together. Yeah. We got to, new, got to know new friends together. So if a friend was a friend of Matt, then we'd all get to know that new friend, um, which could sometimes cause some tension. Um, or, you know, we'd, we'd eat together, we'd cook together. So we'd squabble about who ate or who, um, who hasn't done the washing up, things like that. Um, so we, we built routines of, just shared life. Um, so when people grew out of that phase of life, so some of us did three-year courses at university, some of us did four, people drifted into other relationships. Uh, I think that caused a little bit of um, certainly confusion um, an expectation that this is just going to carry on forever mm. against, no, this was just for a set moment in time and now I'm ready for something different. Um, yeah. But it's, it is, I think, a, a really valuable thing, a beautiful thing almost, because I can meet up with those same friends. And I'm sure it's the same for everybody who's, who's had really close flatmates, um, yeah. course mates. Mm -hmm. um, we just pick up where we've left off, even though there's a big void of 10 years between when we were staying together and now. It's, it's really easy to, to resurrect those old shared experiences. Well, I can attest to that. I think I was probably involved in that, what you talked about. Uh, you know, oh, we have to now, we're, this is the time to meet, to get to know Pete's friend, Justin from the States. <laughs> so do you think the importance of having some sort of family unit is uh, essential for how you view the world and how you welcome people into it? And has, has that influenced your thinking, you think? Um, I think so. Um, I remember back to the last job interview I had for my current job. And I, I said fairly early on in the interview, um, my priorities are um, faith, family, and then work. So work's important to me and I probably do work too hard, but it will only ever be the third priority in my life. Um, family probably creeps above faith a lot of times, um, but at least in theory in my head, that's the the rank order of you know faith comes first everything about my identity comes from that 
my role in society, my role in work, my role in family flows from that. Mm-hmm. And I think you were asking some really good questions about family, and I think um, you can get a lot more uh, enjoyment from your friendship family than your, you know, your your relatives' family. Mm-hmm. But there's also a beauty in um, the unconditional aspect of who you choose to call your family, whether or not that's, you know, your brothers, your sisters, your mum, your dad, because there is no typical family anymore. It's just, right. I, I define family as the people that you're lumped with and the people that are lumped with you. Mm-hmm. You've got no choice over it and they've got no choice choice over you, which is sometimes awkward, but also it's so releasing because no matter how much I irritate them, uh, they're, they're stuck with me. Um, and we can either, go through that with tension or just, you know, accept, forgive, um, build bridges. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing to have people around you who, um, you don't really care whether they judge you or not. You just, you love them to bits. Um, so yeah, I I think some of that flows from faith. I've, um, I have a lot of respect for some of my friends who foster, um, children or who've adopted Mm. um, and that mentality of deliberately choosing to adopt someone into your family and then loving them unconditionally it's just i think it's the most profound thing that you can do with your life yeah um and that that idea of yeah i'm not friends with you because i like you i find you stylish i enjoy spending time with you it's just um we are committed to being in this relationship that that works um Mm. of family and yeah really like that what it's what has changed and what has stayed the same by that when you i guess how would you classify who you were then and then i obviously college life and then adulthood came and then marriage and then family and then your career all that happened to you in your life what would you say how has pete changed since that boy, or I guess maybe identify who that boy was right then. And then how, how has things changed since then? I think back then I tried to do too much. I tried to, I've always had a, um, a problem where I try and please too many people, um, do too many things. Um, and, uh, I, I hate letting people down, mm. which means that I just take on too much and end up letting everybody down. I think I've got better at distancing myself from all of that kind of pressure um i never really enjoyed the stereotypical student life i loved the relationships i loved the study i loved the opportunity to meet people really enjoyed the broadened horizons um but put me in a nightclub and i'm just so awkward and uncomfortable (laughs) i'd rather be you know just at home chatting to a couple of people so um i think the big change is i don't have to go through that whole pretense anymore of that's that's what fun looks like to me that's really not what fun looks like fun to me is a homemade pizza with with jen and the boys Mm -hmm. or um out on top of a mountain um enjoying the outdoors um so i feel like i know myself and um what uh i i feel like i've got more permission to know what i enjoy which Mm. is nice yeah um and i guess marriage has been a huge thing for me um, there's all kinds of questions of uh, who am I, who will I spend my time with, who will I, um, you know, what are the boundaries? You know, lived with the same people for a long time. We would irritate each other. Um, 
find out um, you know all sorts of questions as to what um, where we stand with each other. Um, and I think a lot of my friends were confused as to why I chose to get married early. Um, when you say uh, early, what does that mean? When it what what age were you when you got married? Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for getting this wrong, probably. But I think <laughs> we can re we can re-record was... this section if you get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I was 24 when I got okay. married. Yeah, that's pretty young. Um, uh, but and it, loads of people will say that why why would you ever get married? It's it's just yeah. You're then constrained. You're restricted. You're limiting your options. Um, to me, the opposite. Um, and and those were you know those were worries to me as a teenager and. Um, as a student, uh, I was terrified of making the wrong decisions, mm. but looking back retrospectively, it's just the most releasing thing ever to not have the pressure anymore of, um, not knowing where the boundaries are of friendship slash relationships. So I don't give the wrong message to the wrong people. It's now, you know, a huge part of my identity. I, I love being married to Jen. It's just great. You feel um, like more of yourself. You feel settled. You feel. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, you don't have to pretend you have permission to live your fullest being. Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm getting from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it, I mean, it, to me, it sounds like you kind of always knew who you were inside, but you had trouble expressing it outwardly because of you weren't being validated in some way. Um, and so maybe for you, being married to the person you love and having that true, consistent um, daily life with somebody else is how you most discover your life. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in what you just said. I'm not very good at answering or even thinking about the big questions of life. So uh, You seem to really be connected to the earth in that way. It's, um, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to feel like wanderlust in the countryside in, in the UK. And <laughs> um, you're, so, you're so attached to people before you in history and old stuff. And uh, we have our own version of beauty here, of course. Yeah. But you can just, I mean, you, uh, you mentioned that where you grew up was kind of like the Shire and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So yeah. Um, speak about that a little bit. What, um, what's that, what is it like for you when you, what, what do you get out of nature when you're just walking through it and discovering the path as you go? And what do you, what are you thinking about? What's going through your mind and your, what are you looking at? Yeah. Good questions. A lot of questions. Um, yeah, sorry about I, that. No, that's fine. You were, you were saying about how, when the big decisions come up, um, it's sometimes hard to um, to get a bit of perspective, I guess, if I paraphrase with what you're saying. Mm. And I think there's two really unhelpful extremes of the advice that people tend to throw at you in that kind of situation. Um, and I think you also asked about you know, how things have changed over the last 15 years and what I was like back then. Um, I think 15 years ago, and I see it a lot in my student friends now, um, I was so irritating in that um, I just wanted to know the right answer. Mm. Um, I wanted to find out what the right thing to do was. 
uh, you know, silly little decisions. What's the right thing to wear? What's the right thing to um, to say? Who should I spend my time with? Down to the big questions, you know, that there is a right job for me to um, to pursue yeah. or there's a right, um, you know, way to spend my time. And it just becomes uh, all-consuming, um, which I think is really unhelpful. Um, and then the opposite side of that, the other side of the spectrum is, okay, I don't want to have a clear plan because there's a right way of doing things you know a strategy to get to where i want to be um i'll just live in the moment and enjoy every um day as it comes every opportunity um, which sounds great but is also full of pressure um too because then you've you've got to enjoy everything you've got to make mm. the most of every opportunity and yeah um i think both of those extremes are really full of pressure um so i think one thing of just getting older um but also you know a faith perspective or taking a step back is just thinking well it's quite nice to let go of the reins a little bit just point yourself in the right direction i, I think i don't remember that much from my childhood but i remember one guy speaking um to me in terms of relationship advice or career advice and just say you know, it's not actually that important. Just point yourself in the right direction and the big things will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't really subscribe to either of those two extremes. You've got to have a big long-term strategy or you've got to enjoy the moment. It's just yeah. somewhere in between. And I think that kind of sums up your question about outdoors too. Um, life is just busy. Um, got two young um uh, boys who are just excited about everything and the routine of looking after them is quite busy. Yeah. Got a job that is um, uh, many things. It's never boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's good. There's always somebody to, um, yeah. to look after or a job to do. Uh, so life just gets um, busy and consuming um, in a good way. They're all like really helpful and healthy and enjoyable things. But Jen and I both uh, crave mountains Yes, because they're beautiful, and yes, because it's nice to to just walk. But I think more to to leave behind the busyness, to um, just have a different place, have a different space. Um, yeah, just to put things in perspective and make sure we're pointing in the right direction. How? Let's say you go on like an, an outdoor excursion. How long does that last? Is it a day or is it a couple hours? What is it like when you decide to go out do something like that? Yeah, that that's certainly changed over the last fifteen years. Because okay. um, I, I remember me and Matt and a friend called James. You know, we disappeared off for a week and we walked mm. um, and we camped and we ate and we drank beer and we walked and we just left the world behind for a week. And I can't do that anymore. Yeah, um, just yeah. Um, so an excursion would be an afternoon. We'd fit it in between lunchtime and tea time because that's just the stage of life we're in. With um, sure, you know. Uh, a four-year-old and a six-year-old they they need to be fed they need to be bathed yeah um, every now and then we'll get away for a night together and i think we do crave some adventure time yeah um, is that something but, you and jen do or want to do together is she a hiker too you guys want to just take like a would she want to go on a week excursion to like that you think yeah i think she would yeah. um i mean we couldn't with the boys no but i think a big part of our friendship and relationship was just going on adventures yeah we'd get teased mercilessly because um uh, i don't know if you do you have you come across the famous five books 
very quaint English um, no. old-fashioned adventures where five kids go off for an adventure and they always take a picnic and the picnic always contains, you know, ginger beer and sandwiches and a pork pie. Uh, and, and that's that's us, really. Um, that we sounds go for very British. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds wonderful, though. What's it called? I'm going to read this. Uh, Famous Five. Famous Five, um, okay. Yeah. It's a book series. Yeah, it is. It's aimed at kids. Okay. Oh, but so is Harry Potter and look how that turned out. Yeah. Yeah. The cool thing about this, Pete, is when your boys get old enough, they can take these week-long sessions with you and go camping and go. And that's that'll be kind of exciting when that comes. Yeah, I bet. It was quite... um, one one of the things that we've discussed, me and Jen, is because um, we both had parents that dragged us to um, old-fashioned National Trust houses or went for days out as a family, and we'd moan about it and we'd hate it and we'd think, you know, why can't we just be at home with our friends? Uh, and we thought, are we going to put our kids through this? Are we going to turn into our parents and just force our kids to enjoy the outdoors? Um, how can we make it something that they look forward to and appreciate and enjoy? Um, so it was, it was really moving actually just this last weekend, we went for a cycle ride and Joel, um, our youngest said, oh, look at that view. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, um, and just in his own little expressive, um, yeah, way yeah. pausing to, to get what it's all about. That was really powerful. Sure. And that'll just, well, yeah. I mean, if you think about the memories you're creating right now for them, it's kind of incredible. Uh, to know sometimes it's kind of a interesting exercise to know to look at your future self looking back at what you're doing um, now so that's I mean that's going to be pretty incredible memories that you're building for them I think yeah Jen's really good at that um, she um, she journals a lot and mm. writes down things that she's thankful for we we read a book I think it was Jen's mom who recommended it some process to do each evening I can't remember what it's called, but um, like a, almost a liturgy of life, uh, end of each day, just to mm. say as a family, something that we're thankful for and then something that we're not thankful for. I think when I grew up, I wasn't at all in tune with my emotions. I, I, I didn't learn how to use um, expressive words. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, you know, I, mm. I knew I was loved, but I wouldn't have described it in that way at all. Yeah. And so we've, we've tried that. We've changed our, our bedtime routine with the boys where we'll now Zoom my parents um, each night and just take it in turns to, well, we'll light a candle and we'll say, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful today for, and mine is predictably always do with food and the boys <laughs> usually something similar. Yeah. Uh, and then something we're not thankful for, something didn't go well, but just to try and build up that, that culture yeah. um, and that tradition of, thinking back, reflecting, appreciating, mm-hmm. but also articulating what was difficult as well, not just suppressing it, but airing it. I think that's really or healthy. Noticing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's something as adults that we have a hard time doing, just yeah, um, not attaching meaning to just something yeah. that occurred that day, but just noticing that it was there. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if how, how exposed or into mindfulness you are, but uh, yeah. I've... I've been a, kind of experimenting with that over the past several years, but this year specifically, mindfulness mm. was really important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an it's an interesting thing to do that we have to kind of constantly, especially um, 
I mean, this past year there was on top of the pandemic, there were, there were other things. So almost like every day there was this new thing that, that occurred and you just had to yeah. be aware of noticing that how you felt in your body and those kinds of things to be yeah. p- present. Um, yeah. so that's your, what you're doing is kind of instilling this, um, habit of being present in their daily life, which is kind of cool. That's nice. Yeah. It's a challenge. And I'm thinking about it a lot at the moment because, um, there's a lot of talk about, um, students being behind academically um at school but also a lot of talk about mental health challenges students being locked away from their social bubble um, Mm. at home whether that's a positive home or otherwise um so there are a lot of students who are very anxious and a lot of the mental health issues are just exacerbated yeah i mentioned um i heard today about these two girls who are working on this um this app um and they've got loads of ideas of practical ways that teenagers can um just help each other with their mental health um so i'm trying to work out what we can put into this app that is going to be helpful and productive you know mindfulness wise focusing on reflecting pausing taking track but without leading into a um a downward spiral of just focusing on the negative um because you know if you if if you focus on, if you ignore what's gone wrong and what you're struggling with, it's really unhealthy. But if you obsess over it, it just magnifies it and makes it so much bigger. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a real challenge to work out how to do that as a balance to encourage students to be positive, but not just glibly ignoring the stuff they're struggling with. Um, but finding a way to get them to journal it, to to reflect on it. Um, I'm I'm really excited about the app. So yeah, I think it's funny to me that you're um, you're so. Uh, obviously your daily life is so involved with the, the future, the technology way of life. And you're talking about yeah. apps and computing and coding and programming and kind of the latest trends of, of human life or experiences. But you're also very connected to the historical past of the earth and these ancient mountains that you're walking across and also just being where you're living uh, as I mentioned before, you're in a like really old time machine, really. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's antiques in the United Kingdom. Where, where, yeah, you, know, you where are actually. Actually. And you're surrounded. So you're surrounded by these, you know, old structures and old lands. And I think probably how many people would you say are buried underneath your soil? Right. I mean, there's just so many. Do you ever stop? I, I think about this a lot. That's just how my brain works. Um, I think I mentioned to you when I was at the York Minster, I went into the crypt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I, when I touched the bones of these people, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I, I just touched these bones of these 2000 year old people or whatever. (laughs) Do you ever think about your connection and your, um, speaking of mindfulness and that kind of thing? Do you ever spend any time thinking about, your place in history and where people have gone before you on these hiking trails or, and now kind of what you're doing in your life and how it's connected from this extreme technology. And then also that connection to the past of how we might um, connect as human beings the same or differently, or do you ever give that any thought? Usually it's in a sense of what on earth are we doing? Um, mm-hmm. It was, um, 
you know, every time I cycle past the Minster and you see these glorious um, uh, stone blocks that took generations to, to construct this awe-inspiring awe building, and then you look at some tacky student accommodation that's been cobbled together in a couple of months, and you yeah. think, what is going to be left behind? What are we, what are we building? Um, the you know, I, I really do like technology. I, I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think it can be used for a really positive way, but the whole culture of designing something that's going to be obsolete in a couple of years in landfill, um, using slave labor potentially to put it all together. Um, uh, yeah, it doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't, I, I don't really know. Uh, yeah. I don't know what my role in history is going to be, but I do think it's a really exciting job to have. Um, I'm surrounded by, the future generation of leaders. It's my privilege to challenge prejudice in teenagers now so that when they go and start their own families, they'll be a little bit more respectful of women or a little bit more um, open to people of different sexualities or genders or race, um, which is a terrifying responsibility because Mm. they jump on any little bit of negativity that comes from me and they remember it. But it's also an amazing opportunity because they do remember when I don't shout at them if um, they've they've made a mistake. Uh, it's yeah, it was lovely. We had. Um, uh, do you have Red Nose Day? Is that just a British yeah. thing? Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the things we did for Red Nose Day was um, they nominated some superheroes. So everyone in school just sent in a little nomination of someone who. Again, something that they were thankful for, I guess. Uh, so this morning I got an email. Um, I didn't get the names of the student, but um, I think there were six or seven students just said uh, things that they appreciate about me. And obviously none of it's to do with my teaching. They can't remember a single thing that I've taught them. Mm. But it was really humbling and moving to read that, you know, they'd, they'd noticed how I was with them. Um, you know, always takes an interest or appreciates or asks how they are. And I thought, well, yeah, that's that's really made my day because teaching can be a really lonely, difficult job where you're pouring yourself out and it's negativity coming back all the time. And then every now and then to get a little bit of affirmation. And I'm a sucker for affirmation. Um, that's my love sure, language. Sure. I just like to be appreciated. Yeah. Well, and often you'll never know what effect you're making because you most of the time you don't hear the feedback of that because uh, the impact you've had will affect someone 10 or 20 years from now. We, you know, I want to talk about, you've, you've mentioned early on about this kind of unfortunate thing happening with, uh, we've talked about family units and being together and togetherness, and, but there's yeah. also a lot of divisiveness. Yeah. And a lot of fragmentation you've talked about. Um, lots of division. I mean... And just, you know, while we're talking now, we'd had these two shootings already in the States. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard yeah. about that. Um, and yeah. it's just, I mean, we're, I think we're struggling right now with, okay, we're going to start getting back to normal. And the reality is our normal is not that great. <laughs> yeah. um, because it, it's sh- shining the reality of that we're still so deeply divided with all sorts of things that you just mentioned with race and yeah. So is there a national discussion? Is there a local discussion? Is there a Justin discussion of how you overcome that? How Because that's always been your gift of mm. bridging the gap and 
making contact and bringing people together. I How think, do you do that in the States? It just seems yeah. so divided from an outsider's perspective. Oh, it's divided here. I think we think the same thing. I think right now we are having division fatigue. Okay. Um, the the virus thing completely exhausted us. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think at this point we're all, we're just over it. We're over hearing about it. We're over hearing the numbers and just how every day is just like we're on alert all the time. Yeah. So then, and then you add that with all these. On top of it, we had a very huge um, movement in the Black Lives Matter movement last past year. And lots of people are just, you know, pent up and angry and kind of over this idea of not treating each other with compassion and love and respect. And then we have our gun issues and uh, it's just we're unstable, you know, and I'm not sure. I think dialogue is a good place to start and talking and having honest conversations. But I think, um, honestly, I'm, uh, I'm just kind of (laughs) tired and our our politics are a mess at the moment. I know yours have been up and down as well. Um, however, I had an interesting experience. Um, I just got home from a little trip and um, kind of feeling like post-vacation depression. Mm. And I have this little garden out behind my house, and uh, a lot of the stuff didn't stop growing. It just didn't bloom. It didn't die, but it just kind of didn't grow anymore. And it's supposed to be this plant that's supposed to be like taking over. And I just was sitting there for a little bit, just thinking about this kind of thing. And I noticed just the littlest sprout of budding of flowers. And I got really excited about that. I was like, oh, I mean, it's probably been there for almost a year. Yeah. And there's finally some sort of sense of hope that this is going to bud again. Yeah. So I kind of thought in my mind, okay, you know, if nature can do this and recover and get Mm -hmm. through this period of dormancy and have some sort of hope and growth, then maybe there's Mm. a way for us to do that too. We just have to be a patient. So, yeah. Um, have you seen the, the Lord of the Rings films or have you read the books? Oh yeah, of course. Um, so it reminds me of a scene, I think it's in the last film. Um, Return of the King. Yeah. So, um, there's that tree, isn't there? That hasn't flowered for generations and generations. Yeah. it's it's all bleak. Um, the whole world is at an end. Mm. Um, the king is well. The steward has given up hope, and then there's that shot of the flower, the little bit of hope. And I think yeah. um, the whole international dialogue has been of distress and destruction and um, death and mm. virus. Um, you know, necessarily. Um, but there's also opportunity, uh, and I, I hope that we will be able to look back on this time and see how we've had to reforge relationships. We've had to, I mean, when it has been terrible for certain families and horrific for people who are stuck in situations of domestic abuse. I'm not trying to say it's been perfect for, for everybody, but um, there have been opportunities for families to, to reconnect. Yeah. Um, and I think people are asking the right questions now. Um, I hope that people are asking the right questions about 
what kind of society do we want? Um, but you're right, people are angry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, super angry. It's really hard to have dialogue when people just want to rant to each other. Well, I think a start to something is maybe something that we've shared in our experience, and that is using the example of when you and I were in the same space as strangers yeah. in this building with an aisle in the center. Yeah. And I made the decision to go across the aisle and meet a stranger and ask yeah. and ask what they're about. And yeah. to get there, I had to cross over an ocean to get there, not knowing who I'd meet or what was out there. Um, and I think maybe that as an example to start to go across oceans, across aisles, yeah, I think so. across bridges, but you have to make an effort. You have to make, you have to get the yeah. courage to go across yeah. your um, uncomfort level and maybe uh, start a conversation. An effort and also a risk. There's the risk of mm. um, judgment, the risk of rejection, but ultimately what would it have mattered if I'd started a conversation with you and you just thought I was a complete weirdo or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. We just wouldn't be talking about it 15 um, years later. Right. It's the, the payoff from that effort and that risk that does. Well, to um, be fair, you are kind of a weirdo, but I'm still your friend. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll own that. <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, it's interesting that you, when you were a child, one of the things you wanted to be as an archaeologist, which is digging <laughs> up the past yeah. and kind of investigating what's who's gone before. And now you've gone to this other extreme where you teach people how to look into the future and maybe program what is yet to come. Uh, yeah. And through your hiking trails and through your the family that you've created and to the friendships you've created. Um, and then from my action of crossing the pond and crossing the aisle to meet you and be into your life and you introducing me to all these quality things. <laughs> uh, it's been great that we can catch up after all these years and kind of see where we, our lives have paralleled and see where we're still going on in life. So thanks so much for, for doing this. It's been great catching up with you. We'll have to do it again, Pete. Yeah, thank you. Let's not wait another 15 years. I've really yeah. enjoyed catching yeah, yeah. Or just send me a line or something, but maybe another episode we'll catch up and see how your the app is coming along. Brilliant. Well, yeah, no, thank you for making time. It's been really good to, to catch up. Thank you.